fighting. I'm like, right. mom, please put your ear on the phone. Mom, yeah. please put your ear on the phone. And, uh-huh, me all day, me like, mom, flat, flat against the face. So <laughs> the first 35 seconds of you yelling at her. Yeah, yeah, first, you, you gotta get the ground the rules. And then the next 35 seconds are, you know, I'm one of five, six that she raised. Right. And so the next three seconds is her trying to not insult you, but figure out which one of them you are. Yeah, uh, yeah. And sometimes she thinks you're a perfect stranger. Oh, that happened. great. And I had a whole conversation and she said, no, I'm waiting for my youngest to call. And I was like, who do you think this is? And then she starts to laugh. <laughs> she starts to laugh. <laughs> My name's Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually-minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. And one of the things that I love about you the most uh, is that you are a fantastic storyteller and conversations, which is, you know, what we're here for. If you're watching this feed, there's a 125% chance you know what conversations is, but I'm going to introduce it again, just in case you're unsure. Conversations is the sharing of diverse narratives to find the common threads, the, the deeper things that pull us together as humans, right? Because I believe when we engage in those sorts of, um, unfettered, spiritually minded conversations, we truly do find that we're more alike than we are different. And and one of the reasons that I wanted you to come on conversations is first of all, if I haven't made this explicitly clear, you're one of my favorite fucking people. <laughs> and I, we could talk about literally anything and I'm pretty sure I would just wanna drop the mic when we were done. I mean, we could talk for three hours like we may or may not have last night. You know what I mean? Right, right, um, about everything. Uh, all the things, there, like, all the all things. things. Sex toys, drag queens, evangelicalism, speaking in tongues. We got, we hit the game. Damn it. Nonprofit work. <laughs> Nonprofit you know, work. Just, yeah. All of the things. Yes, it's yeah. all the things. So um, mm-hmm. I would love for you to just give sort of a, a brief introduction to who you are, but I want to kick it off with this story, just so my friends that are watching understand the context. For those of you who don't know uh, Eunice, aka Lulu, uh, Lulu is is a, a friend of mine from when I was living and working in Harlem. And uh, the one of the, I think it might've been the first interaction that we had together. Lulu came up to me and she said, hi, you know, she's like, my name, my name's Lulu. This is, this is Metro Hope. Like, this is what we're doing. Here we are. And then I found out maybe a month or two later, like into our friendship, she told me her internal dialogue when she met me, which was, do I have to tell this bitch she's gay? <laughs> like, like that was Lulu's first concern because I was coming in as a, you know, as a, a pastoral intern, right? And so Lulu was really concerned that no one had broken the news to me. Uh, but rest assured, I had finally realized after a five-year-long struggle of just, you know, three exorcisms, five years, two colleges, I realized that I was a big old dyke. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I was so worried because I was like, she's such a cute little dyke. I was. Who's gonna tell her? Because yeah. I love a cute little dyke. Oh yeah. And I, you know, just just out of my own having had friends that had kind of suffered. Yep. Uh, knowing that they later on in conversations with them, I said I wanted to say that. Maybe said that would have helped. Right. Like if someone would have just in loving kind of pulled me aside and be like, you know, you're gay and that's okay. Yep. That's what's happening uh, I'm here. I'm not gonna out you. I'm just gonna let you know it's okay with me. Yep. If you want to have that conversation, I Absolutely. thought it would have been an insult to her. And years <laughs> later, she was like, it would have helped me. Like yep. it would have, and it would have. Uh, it sort of helped a lot of the the den- denial 
if one yep. person would have said it. It's kind of like an ally, right? Safe space. Exactly. So I just wanted to space you. I just wanted to like put a triangle myself right. and be like, girl. Right from the front, like right from the jump. Like we don't need pretense right here. There. Gayer just than a bucket of triangle. wigs. Yeah. It's it's good. In true moderation form, which in case you're watching and you don't know me in person, I have zero moderation. Um, and so in true moderation form, I had bought a tattoo machine to learn how to do permanent makeup. Uh, and instead I tattooed myself, which has been wildly successful. Um, but I tattooed a pink triangle on my leg. So uh, in case you're wondering, I just put it right out there from the start. So, but I would love, can you, can you tell our friends that are on the video, just a, a, like a brief synopsis of who you are and why we should give a shit that you're talking? Uh, I, I don't know. I, the second part, I have no answer to. But the first <laughs> part is so. So uh, the, uh, I have like a pen name, and so my pen name and my pen persona is Alulu Alicea. It's not my legal name anymore, mm -hmm. but it's what I like to go under for a few reasons. One is guys is like I have a nine to five, and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's in the it's in the public sector, and it's at a pretty large nonprofit, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want anything scandalous that I say to get them in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but, but if you look me up, I'm Eunice Hudak. It's not a big deal. I married a very cute white boy from Pennsylvania. I was born in Puerto Rico. Much I don't know if I was born in Puerto Rico. I was born in Puerto Rico. Yep. Uh, moved to Yonkers uh, in the 80s. Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest of five. And I think the important part of uh, a couple of things. One is that um, I learned the art of storytelling by sitting at the feet of many a Puerto Rican woman telling a story mm -hmm. and realized really young that that was a way to sort of a, get attention, but also relay. My grandmother was illiterate. Oh, okay. Uh, didn't, didn't, read, didn't read and write. Okay. So she loved for us to kind of tell and retell stories. And I, and I realized that that was her way right. of sort of branding us. Uh, and my mom was loosely literate. She had gotten pulled out of school in second grade to take okay. care of the kids. She wanted 15. And she taught herself how to read with the Bible. Oh, so that okay. sort of shifts um, how important the gospel became in my life. Uh, I was born into a Pentecostal family. My dad had been a minister uh, in Puerto Rico. And then we moved to the state. He had been a minister in Yonkers. They moved back to Puerto Rico, had me, came back here. Uh, and he didn't pastor once he was here, but he was always part of the ministry. Yeah. And my mom was always involved in the ministry. And so we were, we were assemblies of God, Pentecostal. Yeah. I found out years later that my uh, great aunt on my grandfather's side is one of the premier evangelists in Puerto Rico. She's one okay. of the reasons why Pentecostalism and why evangelical Christianity took hold in Puerto Rico. She was like a door-to-door -door, uh, missionary. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's part of my bloodline. And then the other half of my bloodline is very Catholic. I did mm. not grow up Catholic, which is always funny. Yeah. So I've got to mass and messed it up. And, I, <laughs> and when they're doing like the pray for us, I'm always like, pray for us. I'm always late. It's, I can't do the call and response. I can't do You're anything. just like trying to get it out there before the moment's passed. I'm trying to get it out there. I've worked in the nonprofit sector. Uh, youth development and community engagement probably my entire existence okay. since I was uh, in the youth group at 14 and put in charge of a ministry. Yep. Um, yep. And I've worked primarily in the South Bronx, the Bronx, uh, Harlem. Now I work for New York City Public High Schools, all of the high schools in New York Public Schools. Dang. So lots of, lots of New York City public students working around community relation, parent engagement, all that stuff. For sure. Um, and then I moonlight as a writer and as a storyteller. Oh. I really think of myself, I don't even like the term writer. Yeah. I really yeah. like storyteller. Yeah. So I, I had some plays produced off-Broadway. Um, my husband and I, I wrote a short film. We did a video that we can talk about later. Um, so I just like being a content creator, Yeah. Um, storyteller. Any yeah. way I can find a way to tell a story. 
I try to do that. And I yeah. find that, and I have a TEDx about just that, how, you, you know, just create space. I posted and- that on the conversations page this week. And I think, I don't know if it was in the transcript from that video or in a conversation that I, I read or a bio of yours somewhere online. Cause I just stalked you all week to prep for this. But um, I, I wrote, I saw somewhere that you said, uh, I try to to tell a story every day. And I think that I that do. I, I do. I tell a story every day. My poor husband, he's like, I've heard this one. I'm like, wait, did, did them tell a story that goes with this? Um, you know, my, it's, it's actually been a, a great vehicle for, I think this generation, my generation, I'm the younger of, of a lot, mm-hmm. of, younger by a lot. I tell my people that about my sisters and they get very mad at me. They're like, it's not that much, but I am <laughs> a generation behind them. They're all 10 years and above. Right. Me. Right. Uh, and, and so my kind of generation, we started marrying non-Latino, not my nephew married a lovely white woman and I married a white man. And I find that it's a great way to sort of talk about traditions and right. talk, it, to tell a story so they can kind of like especially if they didn't meet my grandmother who was yes. this great matriarch who kind of stuck created the climate and culture of my family right and yeah like why we function the way we function and so it's great for me to sort of always tell them a story and my nephew's wife has often said I, I appreciate Lulu because she gives a context to things yes. and then I get it yes and I yes. can see myself in there yeah she then connected to it's a way that I, you know, she's very Italian, but then she'll see sort of, she's like, oh, we do that. We just claw it. And so that's, right. I think, why people should tell stories every day, because I think it creates this. It, it creates, creates that safe space and common ground. Yep. Oh, and it creates you saying, oh, I see myself there. Now. Yep, I mean, we exactly. Were, I mean, the Bible's a book of stories. I mean, it we're is. all human nature. The story is just... Yeah, it's just part of human. It's what separates us from the animals. Exactly. So. It's it's what humans do. I mean, some days the line between human and animal seems very thin. It's very. But. It can't be based on nurturing or caring or any of that stuff because animals do all that stuff and they do it better. Yep. But our 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 need to have a story to tell. Yeah. Um, and in indigenous, obviously, brown indigenous cultures, you know, yeah. talk stories very big amongst. Uh, in like, like that that time of talk story where you yeah. come around a fire or you come around uh, and we do it and my sisters talk about that often that my nephews are very used to that mm-hmm. um, so they know when we're together eventually the, te- the tv never turned my husband says that he's like when you guys tv's never on yeah uh, computer everything shuts down yeah because it all start- they and they know it's starting yeah remember the time remember yes. that time that you remember what it all it kind of just you feel it kind of swirling around yep and you know I mean, you told the story of me telling you that later, but it was really when you were brave enough to invite yeah. me to a cup of coffee yeah, and to tell me, yeah. you know, I just wanted you to know I'm hey. a lesbian. I said, hey, kid, I knew that. I see you. Tell me something else that's not obvious. <laughs> but I thought, wow, the bravado, the bravery of this kid finally saying it Ugh. and knowing the implication that that had for uh, yeah. the weight of the world on you and what, and at the time that the ministers that we that were, we were all friends of and mm-hmm. you felt you were putting them in a precarious situation. Yeah, and, yeah I did. Um, you, you just felt so much uh, pressure. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. think that that was great that you it did had it. had to happen. And, and there was so much freedom that came from telling my story. And I think that's what, that's really the heart of why I wanted to have you on here tonight, because conversations is an intentionally spiritually minded space, but the word spiritual is sometimes misunderstood because it's either hard line, uh, praying the rosary, speaking in tongues like that, or it's like, bro, I just took some peyote and went to, to yoga class. Right. But the, the right. point of conversations is that like, 
I, I really believe that a lot of the world, uh, a lot of the narratives in the world and the major religions in the world, there are underlying common threads and we're just speaking different dialects. And I would love to hear your dialect and what you have to say about being a Latina, right? Um, who grew up in, in, you know, in a like completely Latina culture, like this is who you are, right? But then you also grew up in that evangelical Pentecostal culture. And I would love to hear about your journey to where you are now, because I know that there's people that are watching right now. I'm interacting with them in the comments and they're watching and they're saying like, I believe in some of this stuff, but like some of this hatred that's been perpetuated and the, the cult of Christian nationalism and the rise of Donald Trump and the outright disenfranchisement of black and brown people uh, and the, the hatred towards LGBTQ people, like they can't vibe with that. And so I know personally that you have come from a place, like I put in the title, you've come, you had this like exodus from evangelicalism. And so I really want to hear like, like part of that story, like what, um, what kind of, what was one of the first light bulb moments where you're like, I've got to grow. Like, maybe I don't know how, but I've got to grow. So a little context, cause I'm yeah. also a teacher. My, my husband always says, you're always teaching. Uh, because I, that was my, my first degree was in teaching, right? And, and a good teacher is a good storyteller. Uh, and I love history. So a little context, one of the reasons why um, Pentecostalism tends to uh, hold with uh, communities of color, uh, disenfranchised communities and poorer communities, non-mainstream communities. So if you think about it, it took hold in Puerto Rico, it took, it's taken hold in the Philippines, it, take, it, it took hold uh, uh, in Brazil, in the followers mm -hmm. of Brazil. Uh, it took hold in the South, in the American South. Mm -hmm. um, it's, if you ever want to read a, a good book, Zora Neale Hurston was a cultural anthropologist before she was a fictional writer. Okay. And one of the things that she did was she toured the South mm -hmm. and she said she toured with a pistol and a stack of bills because she would pay for stories, Yeah. for stories for Black, black people. And the church, which she did not grow up in, right. Or uh, she rejected very early on. She studied the church the way mm -hmm. one would study anything else. Mm -hmm. And she studied the Pentecostal church. And mm -hmm. she uh, talked about call and response and the catching of the spirit and how close that is to indigenous. Yes. Cultures. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah. right there, there's a sort of, yeah. and I think that was one of the first times that I got offended was mm -hmm. I was in college reading Zora Neale Hurston. I had just been struck in the face at 18 yeah. with Zora Neale Hurston. And I read an essay and she talks about the call and response. And I remember feeling the familiarity and mm. being like, but that's the spirit. And then her, you know, as a cultural anthropologist, just writing out, yeah. you see that in the talk story of the indigenous, you see it in the shaman, you see it in, and she's pulling in all these places where brown people right. get possessed by something otherworldly. Right. And that possession leads you to a higher plane of consciousness. Yeah. And, and how it makes sense for Pentecostalism, but it can get rejected by mainstream evangelicals, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there, started, there starts to be a divide between, for us, the word was rahatabla. And rahatabla means, I told my husband, rahatabla means, it, it, it translates to splitting a, a tablet. Okay. But what it means was strictness. Mm. And I remember there being, like my mother being like, oh, we're not those Pentecostals. Mm -hmm. And the step towards more, a more wider, a wider church, mm -hmm. a wider sort of more accept, culturally acceptable. Mm -hmm. So you didn't dress differently. You didn't look like a Mennonite, right. but you also, um, 
got more modern and so the, it had more structure the services right. so rather than the three hours where the spirit came all that felt like it was suddenly um wasteful mm. but the spirit could have order right. once that shift started to happen and part of your identity starts to go because talk story and dancing and singing that is very much part of puerto rican culture yeah once yeah. that shift happens uh the the church became less puerto rican for me and, right and and that was and i was told that that was spiritual maturity and that was hard mm-hmm. that was really hard mm-hmm. for, that was the first time where i was like wait a minute some things are starting to you know you get you get you get that little bit of college in you something right. starting to make parallels and yeah. then yeah and then you know uh in the soap opera that can be a small church as you know oh god yes run very high maturity runs very low and backstabbing and you know my own aunts kind of rejected me because of you know a, a spiritual uh, a leadership coup and I was like what the hell is going on so I'm like you know again blaming the the, the Latino and not blaming the way religion works mm. Um, mm. Yeah. I, then, I then kind yeah. of church hopped I then kind of church hopped and then I spent I think like six or seven years in a very wealthy white church mm. um i mean celebrities going to the church the whole thing and it was awful yeah like, it was it was a lot of cognitive dissonance going on there for me like yeah. i had to justify every single time i was there yeah and then from there the last bounce was metro where i told you um if it doesn't work out in this place where i i really believe in the integrity of the leaders i really believe in their vision yeah i really think they're trying yeah, I think they were that, they're a multicultural yeah. community of social workers, right? Like you can't It was get, all social everybody and we used to even joke around. I mean, I hope if she can watch Carrie Cook is another person you should try to get on. Ah, uh, yeah, you should. Carrie, because Carrie Carrie is a you know, she's a, a an advocate for um uh a non non-traditional abilities, right? Mm-hmm, she's deaf, mm-hmm. she's a black deaf woman. Yes. And so she does a really good job at looking at the gospel through that. Yes. So if you look her up, if you can get her on. Oh God, I love her uh, so much. And, and, and Carrie would always be like, that's so Metro, right? Exactly. Was, because it was two social workers. So yep. everything, was, and I remember saying out loud, if it's not here, it's then not anywhere. it's not anywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever said this to you. I know I didn't say, maybe I was saving it for this moment. Uh, in that time, because of my work, you work in nonprofit mm-hmm. and uh, you work in New York City. You work with brown people. I began to butt up against lots of queer folk yeah. across all spectrums. Yeah. And I couldn't uh, uh, believe how much acceptance is part of their conversation, how much love is part, how mm. much healing. Yeah. And I couldn't, fi- I finally, like I said, the, the, the chasm between what the church thinks it's, it's believing and what it's actually practicing yeah. and people that are actively, that chasm became too vast for me. Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, I, I broke, broke bread with people and looked them in the eye and loved them very deeply. Mm-hmm. And the church was telling me you can love them, but they have to change. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I could never marry that again. No. And I couldn't marry, um, uh, um, that I was learning more about myself and more about the world and how people worked with folks that were technically the sinners, right? Yeah. With yeah. folks who were sexually promiscuous, HIV positive, all, 
I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm saying that's what the church had. That's what the church is saying. And here I am hanging out with them. And in the same way Jesus did it, I was learning Mm -hmm. just loads about the world, about the way the world really worked. Yep. About things aren't really what they seem. And you have to scratch a little under the surface. They're non-binary. Oh, (laughs) I mean, a lot of things are like that. And, and, um, and I started to like myself a lot more. Mm. I liked who I became mm-hmm. when I let go of all of these notions that I had grabbed onto, but never quite fit. Right, right. Um, right. Well, it's like that thing. It's like, what are you taught to believe versus what do you believe? Like, what were you taught to know versus what his experience as the greatest teacher ta- taught you? You know what I mean? And you can't go back once you've experienced something like you can wrestle with the you can wrestle with the rightness or wrongness of it. If you believe in those words, you can wrestle with the okayness or not okayness of it for you, but you can't wrestle with it if it happened like that was that was the story for me. I was like, yo, I'm I'm gay. And then there were a couple of years where I wrestled with how does that play out? while while having a physical relationship with my girlfriend because women are beautiful and so that was another level of confusion but but like I came to the point where I was like I don't know if it's okay or not or what I do with this but but whether I am or am not gay uh, I was actually at the Palisades Mall which is right outside of where I went to college at Nyack uh, and I had just come out of an exorcism fresh off the exorcism uh, and I went yeah that was a real story three exorcisms here they either failed or they were really effective and I'm a fucking man now. I don't know which, jury's still out. <laughs> but after the third exorcism, I went to the mall with my friend to pick up a paycheck. And I'll, I'll never forget it. I was standing across from Panda Express and it was like Bath and Body Works right there. And I was like on the escalator and I, I fresh out the exorcism, right? And I, uh, this girl walks by and I went like this, no forethought, completely instinctual. And in my head, I was like, that's it. Like I didn't choose that reaction. Now I can choose how I react to it, which was another thing that I worked through in my own life. But I knew at that point it, it, it existed. And so it sounds like you're saying like you had this experience with queer people because we're fabulous and, and we're changing the world one, one day at a time. Um, but you couldn't turn back from what you saw, the humanity that you saw in your queer friends. And, and the common sense. Mm-hmm. So I give much, I give much, much credit to, and, and I've mentioned her very often, my, my very good friend, Kathy, mm-hmm. um, who is, she will tell yourself, dyke of all dykes. Dyke of all dykes. She says, I always wear 10 sensible shoes and a nice sweater vest. Like she's <laughs> very, she just hits it out of the ballpark with that story every time. Yep. And um, she, I, I, we talked about it one time. We were just having dinner and, 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 you know, she was very honest about how can you be Christian and think these things. And I said, well, because it's wrong. And she's like, because you're thinking about what I'm doing in the bedroom. You right. You know what? It's not your business. Dun, dun, and dun. I was like, you're right. It is that way. It's not anybody's business. She goes, that's all you're thinking about. Yeah. That's all you're thinking about. You're yep. thinking about what I'm doing in my bedroom. And yep. that, my dear, is none of your business. She yeah, goes, that's just creepy. Want, according to her, she's like, if I want to drink Prosecco in bed and eat cookies, that's my business, girl, not yours. You know, she made, of course, a great fabulous day joke about it. Right. But I was like, oh, so she's like, stop the thought right there. Right. And you don't really have much argument after no, that. No, you don't. And you I don't. was like, huh. So that was like one of my first many, many hugs, right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I remember um, when the, well, it just had started with non-gender conforming bathrooms. And, mm-hmm. and I, she said, without missing a beat, 
um, is your bathroom at home gender specific? Oh, snap. She goes, it's a toilet. Yeah, it's a shitter. Excrement has no gender. No, no. She was just like, you can't look at excrement and be like- There's a t-shirt right there. Excrement has no gender. Has no gender, right? (laughs) She's like, all piss is yellow unless it's red and then you need to call the doctor. Yeah, then you gotta call the doctor. Yeah, she was just really funny. And once, and so she she does that. She just Mm -hmm. like, and then people tend to like, and she's like, I mean, it, it, you first have to argue the logic of it, the right. truth of it, right? The truth is, extrament doesn't really have a gender. Is exactly. your bathroom at home gender specific? Like, oh, there's a door. So I'll put a door. Right. Like, you know, she just, she kind of gets you all bound up. Yep. So I was, the more that that kept happening, the more that, I, and the more that, I, also, personal life thing, I moved out of my house. I had an apartment on my own. I was, right. The more I kind of started taking those big steps. Yeah. Uh, the more I was like, I'm going to think for myself. Yeah. And this, this dissonance, it's it's now, it went from being like a buzz to like, mm-hmm. it's it's now like a lot of noise in my head that I can't, that, that anything, any scripture that comes to mind, any, and, and seeing pastors like backpedal or forward, and I, oh. and I, I just couldn't um, vibe with that anymore. So yeah. I know you call it the Exodus. I like to, I like to call it Dorothy, right? I find, pay no attention to the man behind the, I, yeah. I did. I, yeah. paid, I paid attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. And I said, there's a lot of things behind that curtain yeah. um, that are painted up to look really pretty. Right. And we don't have the corner market on it. No. So- and behind the curtain, there's homophobia. There's trans transphobia. There's colonialism. There's, there's white supremacy. There's patriarchy. There's so many. There's so many things. There's the crusades. There is people using the Bible to justify slavery. Like all of those things are there. If you yeah. and, and it's there, right? And 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 the other thing I think um, that I I think the thing that I always struggled with though is that I could sit here also and tell you about real genuine moments mm-hmm. where someone texted me and said I'm praying for you and it it mattered, you know. Mm-hmm. Or uh, my family recently, about two years ago, we had tremendous loss, and people just really reaching out, people from the church and saying, we're praying for you. We know that that, and that really helping, it really, it really takes you back to a place of real genuine love and concern. And, mm-hmm. and that's a, uh, and we talked about that, right? That's where any, any person that's leaving the church, especially if you're a person of color, that mm-hmm. let that, that your family was often in the church as well. Yeah. You, you're leaving a lot. Everything. You're leaving behind. Uh, we, I, I have a colleague. Uh, he called. He's my work husband, uh, and he's fabulous, fabulous black man from the South Bronx. And he grew up black Pentecostal, mm-hmm. but it's almost it's parallel. He's yeah. like, other than the Spanish, right. it's parallel. Yeah. And he he too is in exile. He walked away and Start took his kids with him and his wife. You know, and so he and I um, are often in other circles with other people of color that work with us two of which are ministers, one of which goes to, and so it's hard because they're talking something and we can get in on the conversation. Yes, yeah. And then there's a line where he and I then go a little too far. Yes, yeah. Well, you have the language. I'll give you the story. I'll give you the story. So we were, it was around Easter and uh, we sit in an open office. God forbid anyone has office (laughs) space anymore. Everyone's in an open space. And right right on the other side of us is a gentleman who's about like nine feet tall and he is a minister in Harlem as well. He's Not back, at all he terrifying. Happens, he happens to know uh, Jose Humphreys very well, all that. He all knew right. who I was when he met, he's like, I know who you are. 
So ironically, because nonprofit brown people in New York City, we all know each other. Yeah. yeah. And so he was on the other side and uh, we were in our row. And I now don't have a track of the Christian calendar anymore because I don't go to church. So it had it was Easter weekend, but I could not put it together. Also, uh, uh, exa- um, what is it, decarriado in Spanish, which means discarded. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, you say you're decarriado. So I am the prodigal son, I'm discarded, it's fine. <laughs> and so we were trying to figure out, was it this Sunday, is it next Sunday? Do you have a calendar? Is it Advent? And I'm like, when is zombie Jesus? When does it happen? And like, <laughs> back in the dead, zombie Jesus. And we're going in. Like, zombie he, Jesus, he, yeah. He's calling him zombie Jesus. And I'm like, back from the dead Jesus. And I'm like, do you think zombie Jesus like has gray skin? And, we're, and from across the other side, you hear Greg go, all right, guys, that's enough. Well, we <laughs> crossed the line. Yeah, like we had, he had listened to us for about 10 minutes. And then he was like, you know damn well that Easter's this Sunday. Stop calling him zombie Jesus and let's move on. <laughs> we all thought that that was really funny. Because right. we well, I happen to work in a row. I happen to be the only row in my job where everyone is brown. Uh-huh. So we, that row, we were laughing. Yeah. But we knew that um, white folks would be like, well, he is John B. Jesus. But no, that's a little harsh, not funny. Right, and right. And then we, we knew that really religious folks, like, for example, the lady at the front desk is Jehovah's Witness. She would have been like, oh, oh, like she would have been up in arms. Yeah. So oh, yeah. We, so he and I are always in the periphery of, um, you know, we're exiled. And right. So we don't take any of it, like, any of that stuff seriously however yeah. he feels we've never really talked about it but we all we often reminisce about it right. and how hard it is for him to sort of have raised his children to not go to church and to right. not to believe whatever they want and to yeah. sort of be good people yeah. but when he reintroduces them to church and their family from church to conversate and he's like it's so it's, it's so for us it's double we yeah. leave two things behind yeah we leave behind the familial feeling of church yep. and we leave behind uh, our families. Yeah. We really do. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, I, I, I don't know how it is for white folks, but oh, no. for us, for us, it's really hard. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's, you know, there's just something missing. And yeah. I'm lucky now that for the majority, I'm one of five siblings, and uh-huh. uh, I think only one of us still goes to church. So all of us are sinners and, and yes. people kind of like, which is great for, for us because we can all, but we have to be careful, but it's great for us because we're all outcasts yep, together. Absolutely. Yep. I think I've gone the farthest out, but yeah. we're all pretty. My. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, you have to be respectful of your mom and right. it, there's a lot of politicking that happens, there is. There is. but um. And there's people who I would never want to hurt. And there was, for me, I think it's, it's funny because when you talk about, when you talk about your experience with the church, like to me, you've come out, you know what I mean? You might, you might be married to a man, but in a lot of ways you understand the nuances, uh, of coming out in a way that not very many straight people could understand. Uh, there's actually a TED talk by uh, a non-binary human who I believe his name is Ash, if I remember correctly. Uh, but they they gave a TED talk about how a closet is just a hard conversation um, to draw a little bit of a parallel because people are like, oh, you know, gay people are so other. But you understand what it's like because you were not only, you know, you were not only moving, uh, traveling in concentric circles outward from the center when it came to your theology, you're traveling 
in concentric circles, circles outward from your, 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 your family and then from your culture of church. Right. And so like I'm white, but for me, my biggest cultural identity, like I am culturally evangelical in the way that people are culturally Jewish or culturally Catholic. And so like, I don't, I don't know where I'm from. My parents said, said like, I asked them where I'm from. They're like, you're, you're white. And I was like, that's, that's not a place. You know, you can't go back to the land of white to quote my quote, my friend, Justin, who's on here. Um, but you know, but like for me, it I'm was, say it's Norway. I'm going to go with Norway. You go with Norway. Norway. That feels the whitest. That feels the whitest. Scene. I'll be a Viking. I mean, I don't know. It seems yeah, cool. that feels the whitest. Like they had it. the really white blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe like Iceland. I just <laughs> think that that feels yeah. the whitest. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. Love, I love Robin, so I could, I can mess with Iceland too. So. I love it. Uh, but I I feel like that might be the most. Normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah, so so my my Viking self, my Nordic self, left left the conservative evangelical church, and for me, part of that process of leaving the church was like you can take, like, I can give up a lot of things to be me. Right. And I can give, I I had come, I had reconciled, um, you know, strained relationships with the family. I had reconciled getting kicked out of college. Like I had reconciled so many things, but for me, I was not, there was something that I could not give up on. And so I sat down with my good friend in her office, uh, my friend who was a dean at the time and really um, was one of two people that actually made sure I could graduate. Um, working to get her on the podcast, I'll just weep like a little baby the whole time, which is okay because crying. You, you might need a co-moderator. I might, I might need a co-moderator. You are correct. Or like no whiskey, uh, one or the right. other. You know what I mean? Um, but she said, what are your non-negotiables, right? And I actually did this experiment on the conversations page a couple of weeks back. And I said, okay, so we're coming together and we're all vibing, right? Uh, but we've not once talked about like a core theology and we're not going to, cause not everybody in the group is a theist, but, but what are your non-negotiables? Like what are the core things uh, that, that people would come back to? And I made a list of it and I'm gonna, I used it to come up with our, our, our values for conversations. Um, but for me, my personal non-negotiables were uh, were com- like working towards creating shalom, uh, the idea of, of comprehensive holistic peace in the world, right? Not waiting for someone else to do it, but getting off my own ass and doing it and encouraging others to do so. And then also um, just complete and true and total and unyielding an unconditional love. Like those were my non-negotiables. And those are the two things that you will never disenfranchise me from. You cannot shake me from those things. And so um, in this journey, kind of from the church, this, this non-linear thing, cause it's, it is non-linear. Like you're like, ah, shit. And then you dip a little bit back and then you have a dream that the rapture has happened and you're, you just came out of the bathroom and no one's home and you got all these things. But, but what would you say Talk to me about kind of like where you are now and what you what you do believe in and what your non-negotiables are. Because to me, when I speak to you, you're as Lulu, if not more than I ever saw in person. And there's a whole lot of Lulu. Yeah, there's yeah. always been a whole lot of Lulu. Lot. Yeah, yeah. I always yeah. say that I'm intense for the other side now. Yeah. I've always been intense. And, and they liked, you know, I'm one of those people that you like me when I'm on your side. Right. But you're like, shit, if she, if she crosses over to the other side, she's enemy number one. That is such right? a Latina thing. Right. They, oh, that's what I always tell my, I always tell my husband this and he says, you know, you're right. I was like, I'm, I am not uh, two things. I told my husband, you'll appreciate yeah. one is I'm nice until I'm not nice. Right. And then that's it. That's right. the end of it. That she's been put away. She's never coming out again. She's on the show. And the second thing I tell my husband, and this is just to tell my husband, I said to him, listen, when I first met him, I said, listen, uh, um, uh, I flirt with everybody. 
men, <laughs> women, non-binary, trans, top, bottoms. Uh -huh. I flirt with everybody because for me, flirting is not sexual. Right, right. It is about energy and sort of finding the frequency of the other person and making them feel good about themselves. Yeah, right? yeah, yep. He didn't believe me. And then we were someplace and there was a girl there and I was like, hey, sweetheart, can you just, and she kind of giggled. He's like, you do flirt with everybody. Like, I, I made her feel good about herself. What does that have to do with anything? Right, like you're still my bitch. Calm down, you're still my yeah, bitch. But like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna sleep with her. Right. I just want her to feel good. And then in the meantime, she's gonna get me extra sauce for my burner. What you it's like, like missionary flirting. It is totally. No, because I just think not everything is sex. That right. actually came from the church. That everything right. was sex comes from the church. Right. Right. That everything is that the only thing that sex is about sex. Everything yeah. else is about everything else. Yeah. So once you kind of divorce that, that the actual act of whatever you define as sex is yep. sex. Everything else is everything else is for the living. Like everything yep. else is for everybody else. Um, then you're okay. Yeah. So my non-negotiables are I um, I'm going to try to just, well, cursing. Um, you can I curse if you want. I, I know this is, and this is so antithetical to the church. I don't believe in a, uh, uh, redemption arc for everyone. Mm. Okay. And so that gives me permission to remove myself from people that are just not looking mm. out for my best interest mm. for whatever reason, maybe right. they're reckless because they're hurt. I really do believe that. Yeah. But yeah. that doesn't mean I got to be in there with them. Right. Yeah. Right? You don't have to stay. And I don't have to stay. And if they are going to get help, and even if they get help, I don't have to trudge through those waters again. Right. So because I don't believe in a redemption arc, it, uh, sometimes it is what it is. Right. That's as good as it gets. Right. That's as, as, as coherent as that person's going to be. Yeah. It's not that I give up on people, but I, it's not my job to move yeah. them, to yep. save them, to... My job is to create a really safe space yeah. for them and for me. Yep. Um, some people have a little bit more priority when it comes to safety for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, based on who I love, based on my own mm -hmm. misgivings about people. And then I move on. Right. Um, I worked in social work for a little while, obviously, because we were at Metro. So everybody. Yep. All of us social workers. <laughs> I worked for a therapeutic foster boarding home. So I worked for kids in foster care mm -hmm. that were a step above from generic foster care. They had okay. been chronic or they had been introduced to trauma. Okay. And I had a boss and she was mean and scary, a uh, British woman, okay. frightening, frightening little thing. And she <laughs> always told me, I'm not gonna do a British accent because I don't want, but she always told me, uh, she used to ask me, what's your number one priority when you're working with us? Uh -huh. And I used to always be like, uh, this, uh, what's your name? And she used to point at people, what's the number one priority? So, and then she would land on it. She was, it's not to, to make people feel loved. It's to make right. people feel safe. Right, 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 right. Yeah, there's nothing there's the love is uh, um, fickle. Yeah. And safety is, is bottom tier. If you're talking Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like if you can't achieve safety, it's very hard to move up the rungs towards self-actualization. And I don't have to like you yep. to keep you safe. Yeah, absolutely. Like and that's what I owe people. Yes. So yeah. I, yours is unconditional love and mine is unconditional safety. Yeah. I, I may never like you. I may never even love you. Right. All. Right. But I promise that I'm going to do my best to make sure that I keep you safe. And if I've mm. done any harm, right. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, I, it's my job to yeah. restore that. That's my, yeah. that's on me. The yeah. sorry is on me. Not, I'm sorry. You feel that way, but the sorry is on me. Right. What can I learn is on me. 
Right. So I think those are like my two non-negotiables. Really, it's yeah. there's no redemption arc for everybody. Yeah, you giving up on that false notion. Uh, yeah, just setting setting that free because like I think that leads to codependency and that leads to stagnancy and that leads to, to abusive and toxic situations. You know what I mean? And I don't believe in the myth. There's a great article from the New York Times about the myth of of closure and the myth of, of forgiveness. That it's uh-huh. a myth uh-huh. that the brain doesn't need it in the way that we think it does. Right. That we don't have to. Um, like sit down from the first person and, and cry with them that you can just make up in your mind. All right. I, I'm done. I, I, I'm not going to mess with them anymore. And that's that. And they, and they can go on their merry way. Right. And right. so I totally believe in that. So there's no redemption arc. And the second is that I, I, I my job is to keep people, I mean, I work with young people. So right. my utmost job is always to keep them safe. Right. But I realize that I have to do that with adults. Yeah. That I have to do that to my husband. That yeah. at the very end of the day, we could be like, like, so angry with one another, but I won't do anything that'll injure him, that, right. that, that'll put him in a space right. where he's not safe. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, it, you don't always feel like you love him. Right. So I can't, I can't rely on that. So there has right. to be a baseline that's out of my control. And the baseline that's out of my control is people's safety. I like emotional that idea. Safety, yeah. Emotional safety. Uh, people are like, this is a safe space. What does that really mean? Right. Fleshing does that out. That, that, right. Does it mean that you don't want me to talk, that you, that you want me to lower my voice? Right. Uh, I have a nephew who has autism um, and he's a pretty severe on the spectrum. And so we learned that safety can be shut the fuck up. Yeah, sometimes it can. you're loud. Yeah, sometimes sometimes uh, he likes to uh, play songs uh-huh. and he loves Night at the Museum. And one of his favorite songs is September. Uh-huh. And he'll start to play it and we all start to sing. When I do you remember, and he'll pause and just look at us like, nobody. <laughs> I didn't want to hear you, bitch. Right. You, I'm sorry. Are you Earth, Wind, and Fire? Shut up. But he doesn't say it. He just pauses the song and looks at us like, like and then, but then two minutes later, he'll look at us for us to sing. So you yeah. got to take his cue, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. that, that's what I said. Some people have my utmost yeah. uh, attention. So because of that, I've become hyper aware that sometimes if there's another child in the room that may not be typical, I'm like, look, I know what's going on. Turn that right. TV off, okay. shut those lights down, shut up. Yep. And we can like, create that. Well, they space. have to learn. They no, they don't have to learn. No, they you do not. Have to learn yeah. That sometimes you need to adjust yourself. You have to learn that standard. you're not the center. You're not always the center. Stop centering yourself. You're not the fucking sun. Like sometimes, sometimes a lot of life is about decentering and looking out for the periphery. Right. So if I were still a follower of Christ, and I gotta say, I think Jesus is a pretty uh, cool dude. Yeah, historical Jesus like, is chill. If just like you know. That proof, like right. 100% proof. Just look at the red words. Right, right. Uh, pretty cool dude. Yeah. And I think everyone's like, he was talking about love. And I like, I think he was talking about safety. safety. I think he was talking about, um, you know, as I love my neighbor, you love yourself. Well, some people don't love themselves a lot. There's a right. lot there. Like you right. got to do a lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot to uh, unpack. Yeah, I think he was a lot about you have to work on yourself because that's yeah. what you're responsible for. You know, people like to be self-centered until they have to do work. Yes. And then it's someone else's problem. There is so much uh, of this like uh, ambiguous amalgam uh, that's known as spirituality. There's so much of it that is, that is, is we just spend so much time preaching it that we forget 
to take it in. And I think some of the heart of spirituality, like I really love the verse in Proverbs where it says above all else, guard your heart is for it is the wellspring of life. Because, you know, some, some folk are just like uh, Josh Harris, <clears throat> uh, you know, I kiss date and goodbye, right? This purity culture movement, they, they bastardized that verse. And they said, don't touch your wee wee or other people's or you're going to hell. Don't touch your hoo-ha. They can't don't, even say it. Don't, like, don't touch your hoo-ha. They're so afraid of it. They can't say the word right? Do not make purple. Boys are blue and girls are red and don't make purple, right? We can't even talk about actual physical sex, right? But this, this purity culture movement bastardized that verse. It just chopped it off at the knees. And I think the wisdom from, from that, though, that set of words, from that, that passage, from that person, because it was a person who wrote it, uh, the wisdom in that is, who are you? and guard that ferociously like a chihuahua when someone walks into their house, right? I had this crazy dog named Rio and I swear to God, like two pounds. And I, I, I'm pretty sure he could have eaten my eyeballs out if he wanted. Oh yeah, like, my friend had chihuahuas, like yeah. vicious, vicious. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're like, very territorial. Guard yourself like that, right? right. Uh, my friend Pam, who was on a couple of weeks ago, I actually think she might be watching right now. Uh, my friend Pam said, uh, you know, she had this, this great quote and I'll never forget it. She said, I was born perfect. And then I was handed to a human. And so a lot right. of her journey, her circular, uh, concentric, nonlinear journey forward to this amazing badass woman that she is, was realizing who she was and uncovering those layers. And it's like people forget that. And we change the meaning and we put the focus out there and we take away that culture and we twist this verse and we change that translation so that we don't have to do any of the real work on ourselves. No. Whoa. And I think that, yeah, that was a good sense. I do what Thank I can. You to my TED talk. You have to, if, you ever, if you ever do a TED talk, by the way, you got to stay on the red circle. Uh, I, I want to do one so bad. There's a life goal. <laughs> yeah, but there's like a red circle. It's a thing. And you have to stay on the red circle. All right. Good to know. And you don't introduce yourself. I'm, I won't give away the secret, but you can't introduce yourself. You just start talking. All there's right. like all these rules that you have. All uh, right. One of them is to stay on the red circle, though. That's a big, it, it's a big, it's a thing. They get you a red circle and you have to stay on the red circle. Putting it on um, my brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just, uh, I, you know, in thinking back earlier, you had said that, um, like I had a coming out story. I don't want to appropriate gay culture because mm -hmm. it is brutal. Right. Um, right. And I appreciate to that out, to come out. Yeah. And then you did it again as coming out as trans, where I think that that's some people get on the gay bus and then they get on the trans bus. And like, I'm not making that transfer. I'm not. Yeah. No. I can't go that. I can't do that. I'm a glutton for coming out. I was like, that was so fun the first time. Let's do it again. <laughs> Let's totally do it again. Um, and I, uh, so I, I don't try to, but if, if, if life is like a, one thing that maybe a shadow of another thing, I, I do understand the importance of, um, and I don't know how it's going to play out in my life. Like I always mm -hmm. say, I'm, I'm a, I'm an audience member in my own life. I, right. I, yeah. I, I, every, every, and you know, and it's similar for you. Every three years, my life looks completely different. Oh, heck yeah. So three years ago, I wasn't a homeowner and I wasn't in a pandemic and I yeah. wasn't, um, uh, proclaiming my non-religiousness. Right. Uh, so every, you know, so I am certainly a bystander in my own life, Yeah. but I, I do think that I, um, I go to like drag con a lot and I go to drag clubs and I, and, and when I see young people of color, when I see uh, uh, young Puerto Rican kids and mm -hmm. uh, young people of color, black and brown kids that are coming out, I, I wonder, I just wonder what would his face look like where they get all that stuff that they would get on Sunday mornings. Yes. 
or all the Sunday. I always go for Easter Sunday. I always go yeah. for Easter Sunday. Easter yeah. Sunday is the outfit, the family it's outing. It's the thing, man. It's the whole thing. It's the big show. It's the big show. You, it's, it's the glove and the hat and the, yep. the raincoat for me. And uh, I hate it because I'm also a tomboy. Right. Um, uh, but, you know, it's still, although my husband's like, you can put on, I was like, I will put on a nice boot every now and again. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> but I, I certainly, I, I just think about, because, uh, for example, in DragCon, um, RuPaul, I don't, know if they, I don't know if they do it in LA, but in New York, they do a Sunday morning service. They okay. Technically, he uh, brings in a choir. Okay. And he kind of does a motivational speech, but they do like a worship service yeah, yeah. and it's packed. Yeah. It's packed to the gills. Absolutely. So, you know, imagine kids in drag still being able to sing the songs that make you feel good and, and connect to something in a higher plane. Yeah. And I always think, man, that, that, that. that feels really good. They feel really yes. safe there. Yeah. Imagine that's growing, the thing. Going in drag. Yeah. Uh, to sing in a choir. Oh. And, and being able to sing like, you know, I'll fly away or yeah. uh, his eyes on a sparrow or whatever jumpy, clappy song we all love. Yeah, yeah. And have other people know the mm. the songs and the claps and the syncopation and the tambourine. Yeah. And, With and, other people and, who get the culture, like they know what's coming next and, and you can vibe in that moment together, but as your full authentic self. Yeah, because I think that and I have been to some really great drag shows that take you to church. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I oh yeah. I think sometimes there's kids that grew up in the church, Yeah. myself included for a little while, where I didn't know what to do at a drag club because yeah. I hadn't gone. I didn't know you yeah. tip them, you tip them with your mouth, you have your teeth in the crotch, you know, because the father was like, oh my God, this is also inappropriate. It's a lot, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> but sex is lot. sex and that is that. Right. Or like the first time my girlfriends were like, oh, we're going to a strip club. And I'm like, why? And they're like, it's really good. And the girls are hot. I'm like, shit, that's true. Yeah. So why not do it? Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, flash forward to me getting married and my husband's friends trying to, I don't know what they were trying to do. They're like, oh, we're going to take them to the strip club. And I was like, and you make sure that you take 20s and tip those girls well, because they are all dental technicians. Sex and work is work. Stripping is work. Is dancing and is they work. Have kids at home and yeah. do not. Yes. And get a lap dance and you do not touch that girl and you make sure you have consent. And they were like, she just took all the fun out of it. I was like, oh, so now it's not fun because it's not risky. I'm just telling you, I don't have a problem with it. It's just right. you tip them well. Well, right? yo, that's what. Well, but they're really nice. And the yeah. last time I went, they put their robes on and we got comp some wings. So, you know. Uh, yo. That's what church does, though. They church was afraid. Churches were afraid, and this is another tangent, right? We could go off on this, but but church was afraid that if people were okay with sex and empowered in their sexuality and embracing themselves in that manner, that they wouldn't need God as much. Uh, there's a there's a book I'm reading right now called uh, "Shameless: The Sexual Revolution" by Nadia Bowles Weber, who is a she's like a crusty punk Lutheran. She's you know she's the sarcastic Lutheran. Uh, she she started a church in in. Uh, Denver called Church for All Saints and Sinners. And she's since moved on to be, be you know, just full-time writing. But she she wrote this book about, you know, sexual reclamation and reformation um, for people who have come from the church. And she said, she asked her boyfriend, you know, she got divorced uh, and then she has this boyfriend and, and they had sex before they were married. And, and she was kind of talking to him like pillow talk. And she was like, he, you know, she was like, why do you think uh, why do you think that the church is so against sex? And the boyfriend said like, oh, I just, I just assumed that they realized how powerful it was and that people wouldn't need God as much if they had sex. And I was like, oh, snap. You don't have as much to feel guilty about. Right, yeah, right? there's no guilt, right? Because once, once you remove the, once, and th this is the thing though, once, and we talked, we talked about, once like, 
I told you this. Once I started watching porn or what, I was like, this is it. This yeah. Is, this is what, this is the escandalo you were taking me out of. The girl <laughs> with the fake boobs and fake lips. There is nothing about this that is A, Not attractive. Cute. Not cute. Or B, that I even like. This yeah. is so like heteronormative white man. Like yeah. there is nothing here. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Like, like. I've seen episodes of the L word that are hotter than this. I don't oh know what we're looking at. Not all episodes of the L word, mm. but I, you know, I, I think that like sense eight did a better orgy. I don't know yes. what I'm oh. looking at. Right? Sense eight was amazing. <laughs> the Wachowskis, right? The Wachowskis yeah. Like yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't yeah. know what you confuse. So I, I do think that like the church being a controlling trope yeah. is what everybody um, hinges on. I think the unfortunate thing community of color um the church was a salvation for a lot of people myself included mm. right i grew up in a white i grew up yeah. in, a, in, a, in a town that was a city that was deeply segregated it still right. is right and i i was in a in an advanced program i look white but i'm not white my hair certainly doesn't come off as a white girl right i wasn't a white girl right and my sanctuary was that i you know i had the missionettes and then i had church and then i had church on sundays and those were my friends and those were my right. cousins and so when they picked on me in school or when i was left out right the, the answer was but those aren't your friends they're not going this to is my place. Your, right those are not your friends they don't know jesus those are not your friends they don't right. speak your language those are not, right because i also went to church in spanish so that right. was the language of god and so right. they don't understand you and so that's okay and and the youth group was you know uh th these are your people Mm. right it's god's will we're together right. we're praying together we do life together so did so in so many ways that saved my life yeah where yeah. i didn't have to worry about what these girls thought of me i didn't have to care that i didn't look like them i didn't have to, i had a space right and then you know the more you get involved in ministry uh i was there tuesday thursday friday saturday sunday oh god I every day my every whole day social circle yep. was set yeah and the kids in my church they were beautiful and they were popular and we all and we all went to different high schools, so it didn't matter. Right. We all really loved each other. Half of them were related to me. Half of them were people I grew up with. Half of them were new. Right. I was really popular. Yeah. Yeah. Which I hated, but I was super popular in church. But still, all of that. And we went to, and there were things that I got to do that other kids didn't got to do. I got to go to spiritual retreats. I got right. to travel. I got to, you know, I didn't ever do the missionary thing because brown people don't go to save other brown people. But because we don't need to. But yeah. I did go to like. You know, we would drive to Delaware. We would drive, we would have our, you know, once a season kind of youth thing, like a retreat I, rally thing. Yeah. Oh wow! Sometimes a God has some big ones. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. And, and people don't understand. It's like Thunderdome, man. They you, throw a party on, though. <laughs> you're on the prowl. You, you are. are seeing Christian kids. So it is high hormones, high hijinks. Yeah. Um, I have a I have many a friend that had that created a baby there. Yeah. Right? Yes. Hotel rooms and right. And then I became the chaperone to those things. So I was the one that was sitting in the hallway with the flashlight, like get back in your room, right? <laughs> All of that came through the yeah. church. And so when, you, when you're a person of color, who the church protected you from so many right. things to then realize the church also is hindering you from yeah. so many things. Yeah. It's really, really hard to do yeah. both that's it's really hard and so i going back to my original point yeah i can only imagine even for the older folks even for my sister has a friend who grew up in the church and he's now gay uh -huh. and he says things like i know i'm wrong uh -huh. but i you know and i think oh my god how how wonderful would it feel if he had a space where he didn't have to say that yeah or you know um 
we talked about this. Most churches will then take the queer kid and make them the worship leader or the yeah. dance leader. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they will just pilfer them for that yep. talent yep. and then get ready to ostracize them. And then right? carry your cross, carry your cross. Yeah, that's, but also that's get the thorn ready in your side. Out, right? Yep. The minute yep. they touch a pee pee, they're out, right? Yep. Done. Well, in your case, you didn't touch any pee pees. I get it. But I didn't touch any pee pees. Right? <laughs> You're like, I am free, thank you. <laughs> pee pee um, free. But, but, you know, that heartache, yeah. um, I can't imagine yeah. uh, what a space where that, that, that heartache can be healed. Like, like you said that there's, you know, that there's people in your life that you've heard them say things and you're just like, yeah. I didn't think I needed to hear that. Right. But I did need to hear it. Yeah. Um, other than Joshua Harris, I never know his name. The big head that was in charge of Exodus. I don't know. Oh, God. I don't remember that guy's name, but Exodus International, for those of you who are watching my literal tens of fans, um, Exodus International was an ex gay ministry. So there was this whole movement in the early 2000s, like a pray away the gay movement. Uh, And like gay people were buying in. Well, the motherfucker who founded it is divorced (laughs) and married to a man now. Wow. Yeah. I don't know his name. If I ever see him in drag con, I'm going to punch him right in the face. Punch him in the nose, bro. Punch him in the nuts. Just. Ah. <laughs> anyway, um, but he had a session where he was very crying and apologetic. And there were some people that took it. Some people were like, I don't accept that. No. Nope. Like you set off a series of things in my life yeah. that I will never yeah. be recover from. And there's not but a redemption people, art for that. Right. But other people are like, I, I needed to hear you say that. So right. thank you. Right. Right. He needed to go on the apology. He needs to go on the confession, the usher apology tour. Yes, he did. (laughs) Right. Right. He needs to go on the confession tour. He didn't do that. No. But I I do think that there, I don't know how it happens. I know that I, I I keep trying to go over my life all the time in church. Yeah. And I keep trying to think about the friends that I know are out now. Right. And I keep thinking, did I ever put them in a situation where I told them something? I know I know. I know I did. I can picture specific people in time. I know this. You're gonna you're gonna love this one. I didn't do that to to gay people, but I did tell a lot of my straight girlfriends to break up with their secular boyfriends. So I know that there is just like a litany of girls that are still single now. It's my fault. Like I was, yeah, I was like, he doesn't search for the word. He's no, you're walk. unequally yoked, bro. Juba the Siwan, this is bad. pray him out. I know the women in, in, in my, who had wonderful boyfriends. Yeah, yeah. And here I, you know, and here they, I am happily married to a guy who never stepped foot in the church. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, that's, on, that's on me, bro. That's on me. I can think of specific moments. Like I was, I was as, as well intentioned as I could have been for the level of informed that I was. But there are moments that I, like, I, I, I will have trouble forgiving myself. Uh, forgiving myself for like I used to wear a sweatshirt around that said abortion is homicide I fucking cringe at that now like I bought it at kingdom bound I thought it was so cool and the booth was so punk and and that was just the whole world I grew up in yeah punk rock but then I had this one friend I was like it was uh my junior year I was in junior English class and I know the two people still to this day but my friend was pregnant and then my other friend was like so I was wearing that sweatshirt and she was like so you're saying that if this friend was was needed, needed to have an abortion, right? That she should go to jail for murder. And I was stumped. I'm never speechless, bro. I always have a story. Nothing. Cricket. Like, yeah, I was like, shoot. And I, yeah, and I did not read, I did not wear that sweatshirt again. And and there were just moments like that. And you know, the thing is, is that the 
I talked with a, a friend of mine, Jennifer, who was on a couple of weeks ago. She's a, a trans woman who for the first 50 years of her life was a straight white male Southern Baptist pastor layers of interesting conversation that we had. And, and I talked to her right after her first pole dancing class. So great conversation, but we are yes. talking, I know, right. We were talking about the, the unholy Trinity of, of patriarchy and capitalism and, uh, and evangelicalism. And all of those things are systems based on a, a, a like a, an unequal power footing, right? Because like, if you are, if you are poor, if you are Brown, if you are female, if you are secular, right? Like you need something from these organizations. And so our worlds, the, the power structure of our, our worlds have oriented themselves around this creating and manufacturing of guilt and, and deficit in us. And so what would a space look like where that's not the purpose i think it was your facebook for the the first time i think you you put up something about sort of all the services that someone wants if they're homeless but they can't drink they can't they can't it's criminalized yep. and i remember reading that being like oh my god yeah that, and the justification of well you don't spend my money doing that or don't yep. and i'm like but they need help they need help and like, so let them drink yeah like, what do you that like just decriminalize all of that. Yeah, like, get rid of it. Like just why? Stop it. Stop yeah. criminalizing. Well, that's because of the criminalization of the poor, right? Oh, but always. I, always. I remember I had read that and I was like, Leo's right. Like, <laughs> why do because I remember having to like drug test, you know, the yep. kids in foster care. And I was like, what yep. are we gonna think about foster care? That's not the fucking point. Yeah. Why, yeah. Do we have, why do we rip from their parents when first place? Exactly. Like, what, what about that? What about that? Why weren't they placed with a family member? And then that family member given the money that the white foster parents were given. Where, where did that go? Right. When they could have lived or, with a boy or, 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 the, or the endless amounts of like, I do remember uh, there was a case and this is off topic, but I do remember there was a case of a young woman um, and the foster parents were uh, very religious. They were, I think they were Seventh-day Adventist. They could okay. have been Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. It was one of the two. And her mom uh, was with another woman. Mm -hmm. And so during the, during the time of foster care, all she heard about was they were going to hell. Mm. And then like going with her and loving her mother very much. And, and, right. and her mom had gotten involved oh. with something with drugs, you know, yeah. and just her, but, but her partner actually was helping her get sober and was wow. fantastic. Yeah. And the foster parent, and, and we had to kind of step in Thank God again. My scary boss was also not a believer of any kind, and she was like, "Cut that shit out. Knock you it can't out. say that in front of the kid." And it's like, "But it's wrong." They're like, "We well, can't say that. Like, then yep. we're gonna take her out of your house too." But yep. that being such an interesting, also, yeah. right, putting them in, in Christian homes that yeah. you know, very much like what they did to indigenous kids, and you know, yes. Christian oh my God, up until the '60s and '70s, like. Uh, the, we uh white people, bro, white people. Well, and also if you ever if you uh, if you've not heard uh. Canada's doing a little bit of a better job with their indigenous folks. Yes. And there's a podcast, a series of podcasts called Missing and Murdered. I have the, listened. Um, oh yeah. Well, yeah. she's Cree and yeah. she talks so much about the schools and yeah. the and she does the whole generational curse thing, right? Yes. Christians do it with sin. Yeah. Right? They're like, oh, what's your sin? It's in the, it's like, what about what trauma? What about, what about the trauma? They're doing? Yep. What about trauma? That really has, I mean, there's biology around how trauma might carry into the cell. It rewires your brain for generations out. And if you're going to talk about generational sin, I do not hear one more. I do not want to hear one more Christian utter the phrase generational sin until you can accept and repent for the perpetuation of systems that keep families in generational poverty. 
great, but no, I'm not going to do that. Done. Don't forget to tithe. Don't don't forget to tithe, right? So that the rich, white, straight, male, evangelical cop that was a pastor can have a better Jeep or a bigger house in his development. Not that that has happened and only, and then that person personally came for me, but maybe I'm speaking from experience. But maybe, but maybe, but maybe. Maybe. Well, or there's this, uh, for a while, there was an Instagram that I followed and I had to stop. And it was a guy who was, I don't know if you heard about it, he was, uh, he, he would take snapshots of pastors preaching and they're preacher sneakers. Yes. Love it. I love some preacher sneakers. Cause I, I was like, it. look at these motherfuckers. Those are Yeezys. That's like, a fucking Gucci right? belt. That's a Gucci belt. That's a Gucci belt. But How also, much does your congregation also, But also make? for me, like the hipster pastor with the jeans and the loving the hip hop and the get off, get, get off. off, Bye. get off. You need to go too. Not today, uh, so Satan. I am so out of the loop. So I'm so out of the loop. I was like, at least, you know, my pastors wore polyester suits. Yeah, yeah. they were uncomfortable up there and they were hot. Sweating for Jesus. That's right. And in Pentecostal church, when the handkerchief came out, they sweat. They, it was when it got good. Yes, yeah, that's, 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 they used to say. that's when you know they it was popping. Yeah, that's what they in Puerto Rico they still do. They're like, oh, it's about to get good. It took out his handkerchief. We're going to be here for another three hours. As I a went, kid, yeah. I went to like, church oh. in, when I went to church in Southern Ohio, same situation, right? Uh, so like the Churches of Christ and Christian Union, small, small, rural, fundamental Bible Belt type church in, in Southern Ohio, uh, which is kind of where my, my dad and my and my Bampa started their, their ministry. And you knew uh, there was this guy, Brother Troy. And when Brother Troy got on the piano and started improvising, and when this one old lady came up the aisle with her handkerchief, just waving, you knew you were in it for two more hours. You knew. Let me tell you, I have a, a karaoke mic. It's not in, I have it in my vicinity. Uh-huh. And I got it because we were going to do karaoke with my family and then COVID, so we didn't do it. But I take the mic, and everyone else would take the mic and start singing. Yeah. I start I, I go to church. Yeah. Like it's oh, yeah. immediate. I get on the mic and then I start doing it in Spanish. And I'm like, Santo Dio, yo te pido padre. And I was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, padre, padre. It's not, I start to yell. My hand goes up and he's like, or sometimes I put my hand on his head. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, we're going to have church. We're just going to, I'm going to pray for you. He's like, could you get your sweaty hand on? Like, he has no concept of it, but I am living my six year old kid fantasy, right? Every yeah, kid you got to. church kids church fantasy because it's like this yeah. was the thing they did yeah. and so that's the, so we were talking those were our that. rock stars the people doing that we were talking about that in, in a group zoom with my friends from work and they were, and then one of them said but did you ever have a runner and everyone that was a church person yes lost it because yep. they all except for one girl who didn't go to church and she was like I don't know, still all of us from all different parts of, of the united states all people of color we were like but did you ever have a runner? And yeah. I was like, oh, the aisle had to be clear because I was a brother who kind of like revved himself up. And oh, my yeah. mom would be like, get out, get out of the aisle. because Get out of the way. To. Get out of the way. And the only thing I remember is I one time ran after him because it was uh, funny. And my mom yoked the shit out of me. Uh, like he ran past and right as I was coming, she just put her arm out and I was like, Pull! and she was like, get over here. And I was like, man, wait. This is confusing. He is having. He's, he's doing it. Life. Double he standard. He is having the time of his life. You tell me I can't run in church. So we all the kids, we all took out after him. And my mother timed that shit to a science. He ran. Another kid, I came, hand out, yoked. I'm like, <coughs> she's like, sit down. <laughs> like my mom was totally in the spirit and called me to sit down. She went Boom. right back to Jesus. You know and I'm it. Like, I'm, I'm completely throat punched. Like, <laughs> She's like, still recovering right. for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's still, oh, my voice still scratched. She's like, you're fine. 
to this day, she's like, I did not do that. I'm like, mom, I remember the throw. I, I remember the feeling. I, I might need a lozenge just thinking about it. Right. And I was like, and she and, and she was like, oh yeah, that's that brother. He used to run. Like yep. she remembers. The, so like things like that are still, uh, uh, and that's, we've talked about it. I'm working on a, a, a book of sort of vignettes and memoirs and it's stuff like that because yes. I think people don't realize. Yeah, that story, bro. Like, and this was funny is like, that was a, that was a real experience. Like that was, uh, I, I'm not Puerto Rican, unfortunately. I'm a, apparently a Viking, but, um, right. but, but like those cultural touch points and those moments and those, uh, was, is it like uh, novelas or like uh, cultural stories, right? That connect you to who you are and in your people yeah. and where you come from. Like, it is a painful thing to feel like you are a person without a flag and any community that is going to be a safe space better not make one person feel like that and I think that's what that's what um that's what I that's what I love about you as a person because for 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 me and, and I mean I don't even know if I've told you like all of the ways that that you were so formative in my development as a person but were I not to have met you were I not to have had the city were I not to have came of age in a space that was so matriarchal and brown I would not be me. And, um, and so much of that is carried into who I am. And that is what I want to see come forth into the world that I want to give birth to in some small way, if I can. And I think that as long as we major on safe and we major on working on ourselves and we major on just doing like my favorite, my favorite uh, axiom is doing what's most loving, because if it's not loving to yourself and if it's not loving to others, then get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't know how I feel about sin so much as like that concept, but if you are not doing what is most loving, you are, it is an exercise in taking the world in the wrong direction and missing the point. Right. And so how can we- And I mean, I think my counter to that is always, I cringe a little with loving. Yeah. Because I think loving, loving is about, um, some people think tough love is love. Oh some yeah. Tough love is, is so I, I see oh, that. my only caveat to that is, that interpretation, even love is open to the interpretation of very much so. Well, yeah. Right? And we, I thought have... I was loving you by, right. you know, I've heard, I've heard uh, countless stories of friends of mine who a loved one came out. Yes. Um, and the parent was like, I freaked out because I was scared. I was yeah. so scared. And yeah. I know what the world's going to do to you. Yeah. And so I was angry yeah. and the kids like, well, I, that felt like you were mad at me, right? But it, it's still loving them, right? It's, yeah. I think Hannah Gadsby, if you ever watched Hannah Gadsby, yeah. uh, she's a comedian and she talks about that with her mom. Yeah. That her mom said it and her mom said in that moment, I'm, I, I didn't have the words, I just had the fear. Yes. So it wasn't love, I was operating out of pure Operating fear, out of fear, yeah. But it, it becomes love. So that's why I always default to safety. Yeah, I like, like that. If you watch a fire marshal, right. safe is safe. Safe is safe. If the door is hot, Touch it. Yep. Touch it. If it's hot, don't open it. Yep. Like that's universal, bitch. There's yep. no argument behind that. Yes. If there is smoke coming out of the bottom, yep. leave. Right. <laughs> like that's how I got to that space because, like, if you ever watch a fire marshal, yeah. Um, I don't. That's why I don't go with the police. I always go with the fire marshal. Go. With, no one they ever wrote a song you, called "Fuck the Fire." They will tell you what is safe and what is not safe. Yeah. They're like you need to put a barrier there because people will tip over. People will yep. look over and yeah. they'll fall. Yeah, so and I don't care I who always, you are, you just need a barrier. Right. You know, in, in, in buying a house, there was like, it's an old house. And they were like, oh, you need to put a banister. And I was like, oh, so, so. 
And then I fell down the stairs. I was like, oh, that's why you needed banister. <laughs> My clumsy ass just fell down the stairs, right? And a banister is kind of like a universal precaution. It is a thing. It. And I also love safety because it includes like handicap accessible. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. if a person aims for safety, yeah. it's far more inclusive. I like that. Love like that. to me is open to interpretation. Oh God, yeah. Things get dangerous. Well, I mean, like in the Hebrew language, which I had to read for some godforsaken reason for a degree that I have yet to be able to use. Um, but I mean, there were seven words for love in the Hebrew language, and we translated it into one. Like that alone should be enough to like really shake your idea of biblical inerrancy. Like seven words condensed into one by people who were, you know, in the power structures of the day and had, you know, whatever, just paid to put words in there. Like, whoa, big Becca, you know what I mean? Right. I like Love, and, and, and the Greeks, did, you know, the Greeks have a couple of them, right? Because yep. everyone in church talks about death, hey. Oh, they know? always do. <laughs> but the Greeks had it and it's similar to like Inuit people, right? Yeah. Inuit people have a ton of words for snow. Yeah, because it's not just snow. Right. There's like the hard, and we know there's like the slushy snow, the hard snow, the ice snow. So if you deal with it, you know there's different versions of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the Hebrews dealt with love. They I, did. I don't know that. The, I don't know that the Crusades did. So uh, I go for safety. I like safety. Um, I like it. I think. Well, and that's I another like part it. that I like about conversations. And I, I'm a verbal processor, so I, I, I like two people could watch this video, and I'm still vibing. You know what I mean? But um, I think that a lot of what these these videos have been doing is like this to me personally feels like church, but it's a it's like a distilling process, right? It's like let us get to the purest. Um, you know, like highest proof form of what actually matters and then champion that and talk about that and work to refine that in intersectional spaces. Like I, I enjoy that moment. And so I'll certainly take safety, uh, safety with me on yeah. my journey, you know? Yeah. And then my other caveat, cause my husband always says, uh, when we go to Target, like if there's like a young person at the cat, I'll read their tag. Uh -huh. So if you, I'd be like, hi, Leo. Yeah. Like, Leo, is this your full-time job? Are you going to college? <laughs> you'd be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what did you What did you want to do? Did you want to major? And I was like, here we go. She's going, she's going, she, youth developer, right? Always, yep. youth de always yep. developing somebody. Always. Like, we just, there's just a conversation to have here, okay? It's so a conversation. He, he's like, that doesn't occur to him, right, ever. But I'm like, I don't look at a sun and be like, oh, let me get my camera. I was like, right. different different strokes, right? Different minds, yep. Uh, different strokes. And so my, my other, if I have a point, in youth development is um, I love conversations, but I, I, I when you're trapped in the world of nonprofit, as you if you've ever been, um, you can like uh, you can over design something. Like mm -hmm. you can just keep you can stay in a design phase for a yeah. really long time. Forever. The next step is just set up something and do it. Yeah. Whether no. you fall face first, whether whether uh, it no one shows up, whatever it is. Yep. Um, I think you have to build the thing and then fly it and see yeah. how it flies. And if it goes left, then you fix the left. But I, yes. I think yeah. you can have conversations. But like I said to you, uh, the reason that I was open to doing this, and the reason I was open to kind of being outed as a heathen, um, <laughs> and the reason is because I, I, I don't know what I believe in mm -hmm. outside of human beings being right. decent to one another. I don't. Right. Right. But I do know that there is a space where the church is going to continue to shrivel up and die. Yes. And the patriarchy is going to continue to shrivel up and die. And it's like yep. the wild west where be careful because someone that is not, has not walked in your shoes and is not like, I got this. Yeah. This is what trans people need. And you're going to be like, shut up, bro. Right. You don't got this. Yeah. You do you not. Need to, you need to listen. 
So I, like I said, I don't know if it's a brick and mortar thing or something, right. a, a dog and pony show you take on the road yeah. where you teach masters how to do it. But I just think there's fertile ground for healing. Yes. Um, uh, a friend of mine told me this, a, a trans friend of mine, and I really appreciated him for saying it. He said, uh, I am not a, a mad guy because I'm trans. Right. I am fallible. Yeah. I yeah. am. I'm a person that um, just in the same way, you know, you married the person that you married and lived, made the choices you made. I made a choice for myself. Right. But I, I am not, I have not transcended, I've not ascended yeah. into some other form of my, it's not, this is not Pokemon. I am not on the final stage. Yeah. I'm so, still going. And if you've met a trans person, you've met precisely one trans person and you've met them at that time in history. And so, you know, he was, he's great at saying, um, I happen to have some insight on an experience that although is more public is still very rare right uh -huh. we're still uh -huh. really you're not gonna have four kids and one of them is gonna be like, I'm, like it's not like a one out of four thing right That's right right right, right. Happen, okay yep. um so he's like i understand that i have a responsibility in that corner sector of the world if i uh -huh. choose to right if i yeah. choose to out myself and, yep. and i do yep right? which is the privilege thing which right. is a privilege thing. And I, and I, and I appreciate it that I have to out myself, but I am also not like a scribe. Yeah. Like I don't have all the answers. Right. So don't come in. And he's like, I, I also need a place to go mm -hmm. where yep. I can feel seen, but I can grow. Yeah. And those spaces for me are sometimes hard because I can't be my full self. Right. If I work in education, I have to think about other people. If I, right. I have to take on, if I out myself, I have to take on the responsibility of becoming mm -hmm. the outed person, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought about that. And so when I saw you sort of doing this, I was like, what a good opportunity to have across pollinated space yeah. where someone who wants to be an ally and be of the faith can learn. Yeah. Someone who's been really hurt can heal. Yeah. And someone who is uh, in it can go to someone that looks like them to learn. Yes, exactly. So, you know, that's why I saw it. And I, and I said it out loud. I said to my husband, I said, look, I don't believe in calling. I don't believe, but if I did, this is a calling. This yeah. to me feels like a calling. And I told you this, I think repeatedly, when I saw that you had come out, yeah. when I saw you were trans, I always say this, it made so much sense to me. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you're exactly the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same energy, exactly the same. Goofy, the whole nine yards. Goofy as Goofy hell. all over the place, a little over here, a little over there, all of it. All in of love it. with everything, in love with nothing, all of it. It's all there. I love it. Really talented, not quite sure. It's all there. All there. But uh, <laughs> I had expressed to a friend of mine, it's it, 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 it's almost a miracle. It was almost miraculous to see someone really become clearer. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Just become clearer. Yeah. And I feel like, that's something that you can do in community that's so beautiful yeah it's like it's like yeah. witnessing the, the yes. butterfly yeah like yeah. i would have loved to have been there like i we haven't i had not met leo in person remember yeah. that yeah yeah so for me i always say i'm gonna grab your face and pull your beard i'm gonna do all of, i'm gonna do all those crazy things yeah like an aunt does yeah because it's like, oh my god look at that but i i feel like that is a that to me is sacred yeah that yeah. to me is sacred that's what i want to say that to me is bearing witness yeah to something yeah and so any space and anyone who, if we got five people left listening if you are a hetero boring old <laughs> hetero person but you have no qualms and you are an ally yeah and you can hold space for someone 
that's a that's that's a gift that's sacred. you know that's like that is sacred that is for every shaman there was always like the back for every uh oh what is it for every chuck d there's a flavor flake like i'm flavor flake <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i am a hype man i am a hype man i love it i love being a hype man for the gay community i love, I being love a hype it man. i love it i love being an ally um and so if, if 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 anyone is listening to this or whatever you know that's what you can do that and and, and try to build a space that is secret yeah yeah and i and, and we're christian talking about it i can't imagine uh where the conversation is among the muslim community yeah i can't imagine where it is among the hindu community yes. i can't the, the community i can't imagine yeah. where it is among the buddhist community you know we're working on that. <laughs> working yeah, on getting yeah, that conversation. I mean, you, know, I, you know, I have friends that are Muslim, that are yeah. Arabic, that are trans. And so I can't imagine what that looks like for them, right? Yeah. Interfaith. Yeah. Uh, I know it looks very different in different Jewish communities, Hasidic yep. and Orthodox and culturally Jewish, and right? So yep. I, I just think that that would, if there's a call to arms, it's yes. if you're going to do this. Yep. Again, it's the people that are going to bear witness to this. Yeah. Uh, remember, this is it. Remember, because my friend Chad remembers this. If someone passed down the spirit and you had a little blanket to, you know, put the blanket modesty, over. Yep. Modesty, yep. I'm the modesty person for trans folks. Like I'm the I modesty it. person for gay folks. Like I love I just, it. I love it. I'm just here. Yep. Like, Wave a flame. Whatever little bit of spirit is left over. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I think that that's why. I think that yeah. that's why I got excited. I thought this is a really good opportunity for right. someone who's going to be thoughtful about it. Right. Yeah. Well, my friend, I love you dearly. I have to I head out you. because my bougie children want some sushi for dinner and the place closes in, in 10 minutes. I have five minutes to get there. I have two minutes for you to tell me uh, or to tell everybody where they can find you if they want to find you. Okay, so uh, you tag me. It's Eunice Alicia 9 at Instagram, but you go, could also look up Hootie Lou, which is H-U-D-I-E-L-U because mm -hmm. Hudak is my last name, Lou is my nickname. So Hootie Lou on Twitter. I don't yep. tweet as much. I'll start tweeting more now. And Hootie Lou underscore stages for anything that I'm sort of doing. Okay. And you can contact me through through Instagram and you tag me on Facebook. But look out for um, I have a, a story coming up in an anthology. I'll send you the link. Yes. It's going to be published January 12th with Kevin Powell and Gloria Steinman and Nikki Giovanni and a bunch of really cool cats. Dope. And uh, my TEDx is up. It's on the page. He is there. It exists. And my husband's video, America Rise, is also part of Hootie Lou Productions. Just look that up. It's a great video. It's it amazing. On. All right. Um, and anything else you need, just give me a call. If anyone, if anyone wants to send me hate mail, please. Send all the hate mail. The more hate oh, mail, the better. That's the stuff. I have yet to get a hate mail comment. I am living. I can, I can work for that. So um, I thank I'm, you so much, friend. I love my you. My love to all of your people as well. You are a beautiful, uh, stunning person. And you too are clearer in the way that you mentioned me being clear. I look forward to talking to you in the future. You have a great night, friend. All right. Good night. Bye. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. 
We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. Does it? She still fully thinks that it's an anti routine. Yeah, pick up, so pick the up. Message is Lulu, uh huh. Pick up, Nina. But now she learned texting, <laughs> so it's a lot of deciphering. She sends my husband text oh. in Spanglish, in yes. Spanglish. So like she sounded out words. Yeah. My husband like, what does that mean? What did she say? I had to like read it through a few times. Yeah, like hooked on phonics. Oh my goodness, Abuela. Uh, Abuela's first language is Spanish, as was Elle's. Uh, Elle's first language was Spanish until she went to school here, right? And learned, you know what I mean? Learned uh, English. But um, her mom's text, man, she still does. She still uses Spanish like sentence structures, uh, oh, and that absolutely. and and then this. I think her autocorrect is just fucking confused at this point, right? And so you don't like you. We read them out loud, and we're like, what? What is she yeah, actually saying? You have to saying? kind of fill in the blank context yep. clues. Yeah, you gotta like, you gotta. Um, the other day, my sister is buying. One of my sisters is buying a condo in Puerto Rico. This is a great story, and uh, she's been trying to close and close because COVID. She doesn't want to go in person. Right. right. Um, and then her husband got a text from the guy. Her husband, uh, although mom was Puerto Rican, he doesn't speak Spanish. Okay. And the, and the syntax was a little off. And he was <laughs> like, "I asked for your sorry." And he he told my now he says it to my sister. My sister loses her shit. Right. Proceeds to call the rest of the sisters. We're all laughing. He's like, "I don't," because in Spanish it's "te pido tu perdón." Uh-huh. Right? So in Spanish, you say, I asked for your sorry. But he just directly translated. I got so you. it was such an ESL like. Yes. And we all loved it. So we continued to say to each other, Of course. I ask for your sorry. I ask for your like, sorry. Her, her husband's like, it's, is it, my husband's like, is it Yoda? What do you, I was like, no, it's because of the way the sense is structured. And then one of my other sisters is a Spanish teacher in okay. Greenwich, Connecticut. Okay. With very wealthy white children that don't speak. Some of them speak good Spanish because they had nannies. All right. All uh, right. And then some of them don't. I love so it. There is a lot of bad Spanish. Oh, yeah. Her favorite being S. Es uh-huh. people use it as as is uh-huh. and it's not. Uh-huh. So they're like yo es trabajo, and she's like, that's incorrect. It's completely <laughs> wrong. They're, and then they smile. And she's like, sit down. It's just this wrong. is awful. We're done. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is you said you are work. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, so and so she'll talk to us that way. She'll call us and she'll say something, and we'll get it, but she'll just rip something apart. She's like, so right. this is what my students would say. Yo es trabajar. She's like, no, that's still wrong. You're conjugating everything wrong. Still wrong. And they're so proud of themselves. And she's like, sit down. Yeah, you just just so, stop. <laughs> it fascinates us that people don't speak Spanish. Right. I think I hear so much. I hear so often. I growing up near the Bronx. So it so fascinates me. Like in Pennsylvania, when I say something in Spanish and John, because you under, like, like I'm sure you're at the stage where you understand. Get yes. the gist. Yep. Yep. I've got right? it at this point. <laughs> I've got it at this you get point. The gist of something. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So he'll get the gist of what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. He'll get the gist of what I'm saying. He won't get the, the, the gist of what I'm saying. It's too so, funny, man. That's all exciting. But go ahead. You need to go. <laughs> so Spanglish. Spanglish. So I kind of. 
I know. Well, right. listen, like, here's the thing. This is why we go for an hour and a half, because like nine times out of 10, I'm talking to people because I really enjoy them. Right. Like that's what's happening right now. And so I find it requisite for us to have some time right. to chat. You know what I mean? Um, so I want to, if you're, if you're watching now, I started the recording way back before the, uh, the, the answering machine story. Cause I had to, it's one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard you tell. 